Hello everyone, and welcome to Chills, a weekly podcast where we talk about the paranormal, true crime, conspiracies, and anything creepy. I'm your host, Preston Pores. And I'm Nina Cardona. This week, we have two urban legend stories for you. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of Chills. Before we begin, I just want to say happy Mother's Day. I know that was yesterday, but this is being recorded on Mother's Day, and today is the Mexican Mother's Day. So, Feliz Dia de las Madres. This is kind of fitting, but also morbid, and I promise I did not do this on purpose. Today, I will be covering the urban legend that I grew up with. I will be talking about the legend of La Llorona. Like any urban legend, there are different variations of the story. I will not be covering them all because there is a lot, but I will tell you about a few. In one variation of the story, there is a beautiful woman named Maria who has two kids. She married a wealthy ranchero and one day she finds him cheating on her with another woman. Out of rage, she goes and drowns her children in a nearby lake. Full of guilt and sorrow, she regrets what she had done. Not being able to live with this guilt, she decided to drown herself. But because she drowned her children, she was unable to enter the afterlife. She is not able to enter until she finds them. Which is why she is said to roam lakes and bodies of water, crying out for her children. She is described as a woman with long black hair, pale skin, and wearing a white dress. Others describe her as having just a blank face, no eyes, mouth, or nose. Lastly, she is described having an elongated face, resembling a donkey. Whichever way you describe her, one thing is certain. You will hear her before you see her. You will hear her crying and weeping. She cries out, mis hijos, which means my children. The second version is about a woman named Luisa. She was a poor peasant woman who had caught the eye of a wealthy older man named Don Muno Montesclaro. Luisa soon became his mistress. Don Muno provided everything for her, from fancy jewelry to nice clothing. She had her own little cottage on his land. She had all of his time and affection, and they even had children together. For a while, everything was going great for Luisa. She was even expecting a marriage proposal. Unfortunately, her situation changed. Slowly, Don Muno stopped visiting her as often as he did before. He used to visit her several times a week. That slowly got cut in half, and then he didn't even visit her at all. I am not sure how much time had passed without Luisa being visited by Don Muno, but it seems like it was a while. She mustered up the courage to go and visit him in the main house. She opened up her front door and made her way to see Don Muno. She wanted to ask him herself why he hasn't been visiting her or their children. When she arrived at his house, she saw a servant and she asked him if he would grant her permission to see Don Muno. The servant informed her that it wouldn't be possible because Don Muno is set to be married that same day. In disbelief, she told him it can't be true. He informed her it was true. 
and that it was an arranged marriage with the woman of Don Muno's social class. Luisa, heartbroken, walked back to her cottage. Her grief slowly turned into rage. She swung open her cottage door and grabbed her children and took them to the river. And you can guess what happened next. She drowned them. She ignored their cries for help. She was quickly arrested for what she had done and later died in jail due to grief. It is said that Don Muno's wife also died that very same day. Luisa's spirit now wanders nearby lakes and creeks looking for her children. This next version is about a young woman who is marrying the love of her life. She is at the altar when the priest asks her if she would give up her firstborn son to the priesthood. She agreed since she was eager to get married. Shortly after, she gives birth to a baby boy, and then a baby girl. She truly loved them and didn't want to give any of her children up to the priesthood. She was hoping the priest would just forget and she could just live her life. Then one day, her house caught on fire, and it didn't take long until her house was engulfed in flames. Unfortunately, the children died in the fire. It is said that there were no remains left of them, as if they never existed. However, the woman only suffered multiple burns, but was still alive. It is said that after the incident, her features became elongated or donkey-like. So she is described as having the body of a woman, but the face of a donkey. She spent the rest of her life looking for her children, but it didn't stop there. Even in the afterlife, she is said to cry out for her children. In this particular version, it is said that she is seen in San Antonio, Texas, near Alazon and Martinez Creek. It is said that while women tend to see her, it is the men who actually hear her. She is said to be crying and calling out for her son. When someone tries to help her, she drowns them. Before these stories, the urban legend of La Llorona can be dated back to 16th century Mexico. There was a young Aztec girl known as La Malinche, and I hope I'm saying that right, who fell in love with Cortez, a Spanish conquistador. They ended up having two sons together. Cortez decided he was going back to Spain and he wanted to take his two sons with him. Unfortunately, he did not want to take La Melinche with him. La Melinche refused to let Cortez take her children away. As her grief turned into anger, she took her children to the river and drowned them. Instantly, she regretted what she had done. Heartbroken and sorrowful, she spent the next 10 years searching for her children. According to anthropologist Bernadine Santisteban, not all of this version is true. La Melinche and Cortez did have a romantic relationship, but when they met, La Melinche was Cortez's political advisor for the people of Tabasco, for she spoke both Mayan and Nahuatl. La Malinche also gave birth to one of Cortez's sons. It is said that their son was the first mestizo, mixed of European and indigenous heritage. La Melinche has many accomplishments, such as setting up current-day Mexico City. She was married off to Juan Jaramillo, a Spanish Hidalgo, which she then gave birth to a daughter, but there are no records of what happened to her after this. 
According to ghostcitytourist.com, today in Mexico, La Melinche is seen as being the mythical archetype of all Mexican women, brave and courageous, knowledgeable and motherly. In 1901, she appeared on the five peso banknote, which had been issued by the Banco de Tabasco. In the 1960s, poet Rosario Castellanos made La Melinche the center of a poem, in which she was depicted not as a traitor among her people, but a victim. But in time, modern culture has also associated this historical figure with La Llorona, the weeping woman who not only lost her children, but also killed them. And in modern times, there have even been those who claim to be La Llorona. The most recent version occurred in 1986 in San Antonio. A woman by the name of Juana Marie Leja suffered from years of abuse at the hands of her husband. She had seven children with him, which she also abused. She saw no way out of this relationship. One morning, she took six of her children down to the Buffalo Bayou and threw them in. Unfortunately, two of the children didn't survive, but the other four did. They were rescued on time. Juana received 10 years of probation for the death of her children and the attempted drowning of the rest of her children. She told police she was a victim of abuse, so there was no way out. But what stuck to the police was that she claimed to be La Llorona. These stories are told throughout Mexico, Central America, South America, and Texas. This story is told to children. If you don't want them staying out too late, or if they aren't going to sleep when they're supposed to, basically scaring children into good behavior. You may be thinking, while I'm safe, this is a cautionary tale told to children by their parents. But that might not be the case. There are so many people who have had an encounter with her. Here's my sister's encounter. Steph was 26 years old at the time. Hey, that's my age. One night, I came home late from hanging out with my friends. My dad had texted me to tell me to come in through the back since he didn't want me to wake my mom with the front door. As I get home, the house is pitch black. I guess my dad had forgotten to leave the light on to the backyard. I turn on the flashlight from my phone and start navigating to the back door from my car. There's a gate to get into the backyard. I close it carefully and as I start to walk away, I hear a small cry. At first I thought it was one of my dogs. We have three dogs that sleep in our old clubhouse in the back. Side note, their clubhouse is a legit little clubhouse that has wooden floors and a really old TV and a couch, so they're living the good life. It's really dark outside and I couldn't see very well into the backyard. I only had some moonlight and my phone to illuminate my surroundings. As I continued to walk to the back door, I continued to listen to the small whimpering sound because I couldn't figure out if it was one of my dogs or not. I didn't want to wake them if it wasn't. I realized the sound isn't coming from the clubhouse, but it's coming from somewhere behind the clubhouse. It somewhat sounded like it was beyond the gate. As I get closer to the back door, the whimpering turns into a cry. It no longer sounds like an animal, 
but now starts to sound like a person crying. Once I heard the change in the cry, I bolted to the door. My parents have a big backyard with a bunch of chairs and plants, so it took me a hot second to run around all that. As I'm running, I hear the cry get louder, and now I can make it out perfectly. It sounded like a woman crying. At this point, all I could think of was La Llorona. My heart was pounding, the hair on the back of my neck stood up, I was terrified. I finally reached the back door and felt I was safe, but when I turned the handle, it was locked. My dad had locked me out. I hear the crying getting closer and I start freaking out. I scramble to find the key and after trying a couple, I finally find the right key to let me in the house. I rush in and then I slam the door behind me and locked everything and turned on all the lights. And then the crying stopped. Once I reached my room, I started to process what happened and honestly, I felt so frustrated. I was so upset. All I could think was, I'm too old for this. Where was Thor during all this? Probably asleep. I'm just saying, if she didn't see him, he does cry. <laughs> just kidding. We can cut that. <laughs> he does cry a lot when he wants food, when he wants attention, when he wants to come inside the house. So I had a similar experience in my backyard. I was putting the dogs to bed outside in their clubhouse. I fed them and put them to sleep. As I'm closing the door behind me, I hear what sounds like an animal whimpering. But it's not coming from the clubhouse. It sounded like it was beyond our yard. I was really concerned thinking there was an injured animal when all of a sudden the whimpering slowly turned into a cry. But like a human cry. I immediately took off running and went inside of the house, locked the doors behind me, and just tried to make sense of all this. Now I refuse to put the dogs to bed by myself, and if I'm home alone, I will usually take Loki with me if I have to. So if you're thinking, I am too old to believe in this, or I am too old for La Llorona to come after me, you might want to reconsider. And now, a word from our friends at Alternate Vision. Welcome guys to episode 11, and we're going to be talking about dating sites, fun and games. Oh, I don't know about that. I'm scared of them. <laughs> <laughs> If you like what you heard, you can find more Alternate Vision at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, back to the stories. Texas is home to a number of well-known urban legends. Everything from haunted restaurants, ghosts appearing in back seats, and the famous Goat Man's Bridge. We'll cover one in particular today, though. The Screaming Bridge an Arlington, Texas legend that began in the 1960s. Arlington? Well, that's a drive. It's a legend that has welcomed paranormal investigators, curious teenagers, and one that isn't so much myth as it is fact. On Saturday, February 4th, 1961, six teenage girls from Arlington were driving down Arlington Bedford Road, today it's known as Greenbelt Road, when their vehicle came up to an old wooden bridge. The bridge usually ran over a small creek, but it was notorious for being easily burned. The girls had just left a late night showing of a movie and were traveling about 45 miles per hour when they came upon the bridge. Since it was dark, the girls couldn't see what was ahead of them. The bridge had recently been set on fire and burned down. 
Not realizing this, the girls kept driving, and at 9.30pm, their car drove off the bridge, slamming into the creek below and finally coming to a rest upside down. 16-year-old Mary Lou Goldner and 17-year-old Claudia Jean Reeves were instantly killed. At 2am, Kathy Fleming was recovered and taken to Baylor Hospital in Dallas, where she was pronounced dead, bringing the death total to three. Donna Post, Dorothy Isbin, and Joanne Anderson survived but suffered multiple fractures to their arms and jaws. Joanne Anderson even had to go through emergency brain surgery when she arrived at Baylor. Shortly before the girls had driven off the bridge, a young man named Bill Young almost made the same mistake. He was able to stop his vehicle about three feet before the bridge gave out and began to back up. He could see the headlights of the girls' vehicle coming and began honking to warn them. The girls instead got scared of Bill's honking and sped up even faster, leading to the high rate of speed that launched them off the bridge. Bill Young witnessed the whole thing and drove off to find the Arlington police. Six ambulances in total carried the girls to Arlington Memorial Hospital first and then to Baylor Hospital. Unfortunately, none of the girls had ID, so the police and doctors didn't know who they were. It wasn't until the next morning that everyone learned their identities. Dorothy Isbin regained consciousness and was able to identify all the girls she had been in the car with. Soon after, Tarrant County Fire Marshal Mason Linkford began an investigation and quickly suspected arson. Langford and Euless Police Chief W.M. Suster blamed it on, quote, young vandals or hobos. Two years earlier, the same bridge had burned down. It was rebuilt with two barricades on the road just before the bridge, but of course, that night, the barricades were removed before the fatal accident. Newspapers informed the public of the accident and even detailed the impact the accident had on classmates from Arlington High School. The father of Donna Post, one of the girls who survived, even told the interviewers that he had no malice towards whoever moved the barricades and burned the bridge that night. It was reported that the driver, Mary Lou Goldner, had never been down that road before. Her friends wanted her to experience the winding roads and what it was like driving on that bridge for the first time. The girls encouraged Goldner to go faster, and that, mixed with them being afraid of the man honking at them, played a part in causing the severity of the crash. It wasn't until after the girls were laid to rest that the authorities were able to find who was responsible for the burning of the bridge. Four teenage boys from nearby Arlington High School were the prime suspects. They were Clinton Farish, Tracy Stanley, Ronald Max Moore, and Richard Truett Rivers. The four boys were brought before a grand jury and, surprise surprise, the charges were dropped. The attorney for the boys said they'd come upon the bridge in late January during a snowstorm. One of the boys has suggested they burn the bridge as a way to, quote, keep the nearby predominantly black community out of Arlington. That's, no, that's disgusting. The attorney went on to say they found some straw, lit it with a match, stuck it in the bridge and drove away. It was just a prank. I don't think there was any malice in their heart. How is that a prank? Burning down a bridge is not a prank. A prank, prank. A prank is like ding dong ditch, not Ugh. not arson. Yeah. They're young boys and didn't think. That was the end of his quote. Not me. Yeah. Arlington community leaders even came out and described the boys as 
good students and very religious. Oh, don't tell me. They're pillars of the community as well. Yep, they were. Oh my. The grand jury took the bait and decided that the boys were only guilty of pulling a childish prank and that they deserved a new chance in life. All charges were dropped. Good old Texas. What are they now? Murderers? Serial killers? The bridge was never rebuilt and life in Arlington went on. Now why is this story an urban legend? In the present day, the road has been rerouted and renamed Greenbelt Road. So no vehicle traffic travels through where the accident occurred. Still, Arlington residents claim to hear screeching tires where the bridge used to be, followed by the sounds of screaming. Paranormal investigators have visited the site after hearing these claims. Some say that they've been able to see ghostly headstones where the girl's car landed. Mm. It's not just the girls who were able to be heard though. While this accident is probably the most well known in the community, there have been other deaths that occurred near the bridge. One even involved a vehicle getting stuck on train tracks that ran parallel to the bridge. The vehicle came to a stop on the tracks and was hit by a train. One passenger was ejected from the vehicle and the driver was stuck inside. Their car burst into flames and killed the trapped driver. After all these accidents and deaths, the Screaming Bridge name was born. Personally, I think we should take a trip to Arlington to see if we can catch anything. The old bridge is closed down though. Let's do it. concludes this week's episode of chills thanks for listening everyone be sure to join us next week for paranormal stories if you like what you're hearing it'd be helpful if you could leave us a review on apple podcasts or follow us on spotify also don't forget to send in your personal paranormal stories for us to read on this podcast we'll see you next week everyone thanks